Well, we're in week three. As you can tell, our TV is out of timeout. It's back. All right, we're going to see how long it lasts. It's like a little toddler. We've had to throw it over there, bring it back, do what we got to do. But that's all right. We're in week three. And uh, I'm excited because today we're going to talk about teenagers. Okay? So for all of you in the room that uh, have been a teenager, have seen a teenager, once was around a teenager, uh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. We're going to learn a lot uh, about what we don't know, okay? And then we're going to try by the end to get to some place that maybe, maybe we can learn some things. And I hope that if you're not a parent of a teenager, or if teenagers were so long ago that you're like, yeah, I remember that. Um, or if, if you're not currently in a position where you're around a lot of teenagers, I, I want you to tune back in because I know for some of you are like, okay, cool, I can just tune out. <laughs> uh, I, I hope that today, this is not... This is not going to be a lesson or a teaching on a specific section of time that at one point you'll pass through and it won't be useful anymore, or that at one point it'll come back around, or, or maybe some point in the future you'll, you'll finally get to. I think this is a teaching that all of us can find ourselves in currently. I think teenagers most of the time frustrate us the most because we see ourselves in them so quickly. Uh, we see the potential in them, like we feel the potential in our own hearts. And, and, and it's so frustrating and so exciting and so fun to be around them sometimes because you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Because there's that possibility that maybe they'd get right what we got wrong. That maybe they'd do what we never got to. That maybe they would be something that we've only dreamt to be. And you see the beginnings of it in this age group. Travel to distance. Not going to have it on the screen this morning, but we use Deuteronomy 6 as this passage that we're using it, the framework at the base of this. And it's, it's just this passage that said, look, all these commands that God is saying to the Israelites as they're coming out of slavery and moving into this covenant people, keep them on your heart impress them on your children. And so we've used that to say this. Anytime we are around people or influencing people, we are going to impress what we are. That was week one. You cannot impress what you're not. You don't take something that has a certain shape on it and press it into Play-Doh and get something else. My kids have even learned this. Right? You don't take a dinosaur imprint, press it into Play-Doh and go, whoa, a bird! doesn't happen like that. And so with our influence, so with our parenting, it doesn't happen that way either. When we impress ourselves into other people, we impress what we are. So we have to learn to reflect. We have to look inside and say, what am I? Who am I? Who am I becoming? And so that first week we said this really cool four sentences. You guys remember this, and I'm going to say it again a lot. God is on his throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. My faith is a victor. Man, if we could just impress that onto the people around us. God is on his throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. And my faith is the victor. It's a confidence that comes with that. Last week, we dove into this incredible age of kind of birth to 12 years old, which is probably the largest cerebral change in your entire life. Let's just be honest, all right? There's a lot of growth that happens in that. And we talked about challenging, basically, that age group. 
letting them fail, letting them make mistakes, letting them do hard things because that's the very place that they grow. And what's crazy is when I said all that, I think most of you connected to the dots, but that's our faith journey. That's our faith journey in a nutshell. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up. We're going to have sins. We're going to fail. We're going to think we can do something and not invite God along with us. A lot of us, that's how we do things. Hey, God, I got this cool thing I'd love you to do with me. And then it falls short. And then we run away from hard things the longer we're alive because we're afraid that hard things will hurt us. And in the end, comfort is the thing that makes us weak and leaves our faith young and immature do hard things. So last week we just ended with this thought. Tell your kids to watch you as you fail, as you make mistakes, as you do hard things, and they'll learn. And that goes for any of us that are helping other people walk. Just say, look at me. Watch how I do this. When I fail, it is not the equivalent of my value. When I make a mistake, that is not the end of the story in God's eyes. When I do hard things, I do it not under my own strength, believing that I can do everything, but believing that God is at work in me. Watch me. Watch me. So today we arrive, week three, teenagers. So I want to talk to you about this because this is a really, really important thing, but it's going to build on the other thoughts. The building on this thought of, I impress what I am, and you're going to watch me to learn, and then we get to teenagers, and teenagers do what? They throw a wrench in it, and they start pointing out all your failures. How many of you guys have met the smartest kid alive that is now in junior high? You know what I'm talking about? The 13-year-old that all of a sudden, they look at their dad, and they're like, you dumb. And the dad's like, what are you talking about? You've been watching me your whole life. <laughs> You've been, you are what I gave you. You realize you wouldn't be alive if you weren't in my house, Right? But somehow, teenagers come about, and then they just go, nope, you're dumb. No, I don't like this. No, I'm not going to do this. And it throws a wrench in the whole thing. Let's just define a teenager real quick. Let's just do this together. This is a fun little thing. I'm only going to put a couple words up there. There's a lot more than this. Teenagers are. Teenagers are lazy, impulsive, angry and crazy it's my four words all right some of y'all think crazy crazy might be a little bit too aggressive it's not it's not it's not i have one rule on youth trips you know what our one rule was don't be stupid and if you have to ask you got your answer it's stupid because they're crazy I once, I'm gonna, I gotta tell you stories. I gotta stop. I watched a kid pee through a screen door on another kid. <laughs> and then try to explain how he opened the window first. I don't even say anything else. I'm not going to say names, but I really want to right now because they're adults now and I just want to be like, shame, all right? But that's all right. But here's the crazy thing about teenagers. Here's what's so cool about teenagers. Teenagers are also, are also person, purpose-filled. 
you, you've been around some teenagers right now, they will like, they will like stop eating a food like tomorrow if they find out it is something that they are passionate about that is happening in the environment. If they're passionate about the, what they think is convicting to them, they are purpose-filled to the nines for it. They might not stick with it, but they're purpose-filled. How about this one? They're talented. There are some whiz kids. That is, the technology, they've just grown some of their skills to a level that you're like, holy smokes, kid. You're going to run the world from an iPad in your bedroom. <laughs> Seriously. Don't do that. <laughs> How about this one? They're fun. I like fun. I get around teenagers and I'm like, finally, a group of people I can have fun with. You've ever been around a group of adults? We call it a party. You go in and you just sit in a room. And that's the end. That's the whole party. That's it. That's the whole party. You leave, you sat, you left, you go back into your car, you sit again. And you're like, what are we doing? You go to a teenage party, what's it like? Now, I'm not talking about the bad ones. Some of y'all are like, ooh. No, just talking about a regular party, right? I walk in, and I got 30 seconds. I got like, I get a kid going, hey, you want a cupcake? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, <laughs> cupcake. I'm like, that's disgusting. That's hilarious. <laughs> Teenagers are crazy. They're so much fun. They, they bring fun to the world. They, they don't know how to not be fun. They get into a certain situation. You're like, dude, chill. This is a funeral. They're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, what's going on? That's just naturally how they are. They're full of energy. They're full of it, and they're ready. Now, do you see any reason why these lists could make it a little difficult for us to interact with them? Because at one point, you got passionate, but then you got lazy, all right? And then you got purpose-filled, but then you have impulsive. Like, of course you're impulsive. You're purpose-filled for this one purpose today, right? And then, and then you have angry, but they're talented. Like, a, I don't want to work with you. You're just a mad mess. Right? I know you're talented. And then you got their fun, but they're crazy. They do things and you're like, no, don't do that. So what do we need to do? And I believe me, rack my brain. I've been in youth ministry now for over a decade. I have five or six children's ministry years before that. I feel like all I've done is be around this age, and like all I see is, like I said at the beginning, a perfect reflection of all my best and worst qualities a lot in teenage All I do is I'm like, oh, that's terrible. That's me. So what do we do? How do we help this age group? What do we do to benefit them? What, what could we teach them? What would, we, what would we impress on them if we could? I mean, it's a challenging question because, I mean, there's a lot of things that I run to. There's a lot of things that I think through. And you may have a couple popping into your head right now. But the one thing I just want to focus on today is there's a lot of things. As every teenager needs but lacks is a heart full of wisdom. Every teenager needs this, but it lacks it. It's a heart full of wisdom. It's a heart full of wisdom. And I hope you don't just see teenager here. You can just put your name right here. Every Trevor needs, but lacks. Every person. 
But if I could wish anything on a teenager, it would absolutely be a heart full of wisdom. Now, why is that? What is wisdom? Wisdom is a quality of knowledge, discernment, and judgment. Now, here's the fun thing. This was pointed out to me with someone that's working on me or working with me to put this, this, uh, this sermon series together. It's a quality. You realize that? It's an identification quality about who you are. That means some of y'all think you're wise, and you're not. Because it's got a quality to it. Now, here's the fun thing. A lot of us think it's just knowledge. That's book smarts. But then you put them in New York City, and they drown. Right? Because they need a little bit of what? Discernment and judgment. <laughs> They're like, I have read on the internets that I may take this subway at any time I want. And then they get there at midnight, and they're like, I was wrong. <laughs> Discernment tells me the book lied. <laughs> you experienced some of this, right? You think you have knowledge of something, but then you leave out your proper judgment? Oh, you, you make a good judgment, but you have no knowledge. Make a poor decision. Now, what's fun about this is that wisdom is something that a lot of us want, but few of us understand how to get. So I want to make this clear. Wisdom is gained uh, through my successes and failures or through the excesses, successes and failures of others. Now, there's a couple other small ways that wisdom could be granted, bestowed, or taught, but these are the primary ways. Just think about this for a second. You're either learning from your own successes or failures, or you're learning from somebody else's. Everybody watches a kid as someone broke their arm, falling off something high. I feel like this is a common theme for a lot of people. Maybe I'm lying. There ain't nobody in here that's saying yes. We watch somebody break a bone. Falling off, doing something. I had this experience when I was 13. They divided our junior high into two groups. They took the junior high girls and let them go see Romeo and Juliet the play, and they left the boys by themselves at the middle school for a full day. We didn't know what to do. Legitimately. We were like, we're 13. All we do is chase girls around, talk to girls, pretend like we don't want to talk to girls, talk to girls when we can't talk to girls, talk about girls. And the girls all left. You know what we did at lunch? Played tag. Hadn't played tag in years. <laughs> 55, 13-year-olds sweating to the nines. And I remember watching Chris, one of my good friends at the time, fall off the top story trying to jump and compound fracture his arm. That has not left me. <laughs> he stood up, said a couple words, and passed out. And we did the equivalent of the Brian Regan, get some leaves and tell the adults, like, what are we doing? Like, it was awful. Now, you know what I didn't do ever again? Play tag. I was done. I'd seen it. I'm out. I am too big, too clumsy. And that playground, I do not fit through anything. And you know what he was trying to do? Fit underneath one of the bars and then come back up top to grab something. But he hit his back and it threw him around and he fell and he was over. How many of you guys have learned from other people's mistakes and changed the way you live? 
changed the way you live? Let me turn that question around. How many of you have made mistakes in your own life and changed the way you live? Now. Afterwards. Wisdom has two paths into your life. One is a lot less painful for you and more painful for someone else, and one is really painful for you, and then you finally listen. I feel like this is what the author of Proverbs was trying to get across when he was sitting down with his son. If you've never read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, I highly encourage you to check this out. One of my favorite sections of wisdom literature in the Bible. We don't know exactly who the author is. We assume this is Solomon. We assume he's talking to his son. We assume he's just making this. But to a a degree, we know this. This is a king or a person of high position in Israel talking to his son, trying to tell him and convince him wisdom is worth pursuing. And this is what it says. I'm going to read the whole chapter because it's that good. It's that good. I want you to imagine if your dad had sat you down and read this to you or said this to you. If your dad had taken the time to sit you down at 13 and read this to you. Or maybe if somebody would take the time to read this to a teenager. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. That is literally old school. Listen up. Don't take, it, don't, don't take this for granted. Pay attention. For, two, for I too was a son to my father. I've been a kid. been a teenager. Still tender and cherished by my mother. I love how you throw that in there, right? My mom loved me. I'm not sure about my dad. (laughs) She cherished me. Eh, dad. (laughs) Then he taught me and he said to me, hold, take hold of my words with all your heart. Ooh, that sounds familiar to Deuteronomy. Keep my commands and you will live. You will have full Life. That's what it's saying. It's not just saying you'll be alive. It's saying you'll truly live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. He knows how to talk to a boy. See, he's talking to a teenager right here. He's like, look, she's a girl. You're going to want. He's using the feminine word on purpose here. He's like, no, 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 no. She's going to treat you good. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Before you go on, this means this. If you have been through some of the most painful, awful things, you have made some of the worst decisions in your life, listen, though it has cost you so much, don't miss the opportunity to get wisdom, to learn You watch someone else's life fall apart, though it may cost you a great deal. Learn. Get it. Get understanding. Cherish her. She will exalt you. Embrace her. She will honor you. She will give you a a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. She will reveal your true colors if you have wisdom. 
I love how he says this again anytime it's repeated. Listen, my son, accept what I say. Right? You got to like read up because at this point the guy's like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Back up. Eye contact. Except what I say, the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom, lead you along straight paths. I'm telling you the truth. This is important. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble if you walk with the wise. Hold on to the instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Wisdom is the very place you find life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Ooh, he's turning the coin. This is probably the first time the teenagers paid attention. Most of the time they start tuning in and they're like, wait, what? There's a wrong way to live? Because this is what their eyes are open to right now. It's the other side of the coin. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. Do not stay there. Do not tread there. Do not go there. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They robbed of their sleep till they make someone else stumble. That's what evildoers do. Traffic. They eat the bread of the wickedness, drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Oh, there it rises. You know it when you see it, and there it is. That's a wise choice. Shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like the deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I'm sorry you didn't get it. an ADD. We're coming back. My son, pay attention. Look, he knew. He knew I needed to pay attention. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your where? Heart. Whether the life of those that find them and the health of the one's whole body. And here's one of the big ones here. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. For the, Keep your mouth from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. You want to talk about what cussing is? It is a reflection of the heart. Talk about what poor language is? It's a reflection of the heart. Got quiet in here. It's not about the words, people. Let me be honest. It's not about the words. You go around the world and say those words, nobody reacts. But a good parent, a wise dad, reacts to the heart, not the word, and teaches to guard the heart by using the words. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Be focused. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. Steadfast means be consistent. Be determined. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. That is an amazing chapter. If you do nothing else this week, please just go reread that. Highlight a couple things for you.
I want to point out two quick things in this. The first is this. The heart is the fullest and deepest exposure of your soul. This is one of my favorite illustrations. I've heard it many times, but it's so healthy to, to rehear. I mentioned it a little bit with the cussing here, but, but I want you to imagine that this glass bottle, I don't know why I brought glass, is your heart. Okay? Now, those are fruit snacks. Okay? And I've had a couple. They're delicious. What we want is our heart to produce good fruit. Right? Uh, we want good things to flow from us. We want, we want happy things, joyful things, patient things, kind things, Galatians-type things to flow from us. But the problem is, I don't know if you've experienced this, that doesn't always come out of you. You had one of these moments this week? Get a little mad? Get a little selfish? Get a little prideful? Say something, do something? And the temptation with every teenager and with us is to blame why that happened. So the concept here, and I'm going to make a mess a little bit, but this is in your heart, right? It's in there. And then someone comes into your life and they get your order wrong at McDonald's. Your spouse says that trigger word that you've told her, told him never to say. He says it again. She says it again. Your boss comes in and gives you one more thing on a Friday afternoon to get done for the weekend. The car breaks one more time. So-and-so family member gets so much selfish, so much selfish, so much more selfish than you know she, she cannot be this selfish. She makes the phone call, she says the things, and she just, and then all of a sudden, something just happens. And it just comes out of you. And the temptation is to blame the circumstance. To blame the car, blame the spouse, blame the friend, blame McDonald's. But what Proverbs 4 is teaching us is the reason that that came out of you is that it was in you to start with. It was in you before that ever happened. And it's still in you now. And you can't blame and you can't pretend that other people are why that's coming out of you. That's your job. This is your heart. You decide whether it's good or not. You guard it and it'll expose you for what you really are. The deepest part of you. Because it's in you. The second thing is this. Wisdom is weighing the fullness of every decision. 
wisdom, wisdom is weighing the fullness of a decision. Now, why I say this is this. As adults, ooh, that would have been bad. Well, bad. As adults, we know this. You know how we know this? We walk into a store, and that thing that we have wanted is there. You know what I'm talking about? It's shiny. It's big. It's teeny. It's glittery. It's fancy. It tastes good, right? Right? Ooh, it's there. And I want it. And as an adult, you walk into the store, and you look at it, and you know what you say? No. I can't have it. And you know why we say no? Not because we don't want it. Because you're darn right, I want it. But we know, if I buy that, I ain't going to eat tomorrow. (laughs) If I buy that, so-and-so doesn't get to college. (laughs) If I buy that, there are consequences to that decision. And if you're a wise adult, you make the decision based on the fullness of it. Because in the moment, if you make it in the moment, I mean, come on, right? Look at this thing, it's huge. I mean, ah, we can watch all the ga- I mean, we can just, it's amazing, it's so cool. Oh, it tastes so good. I mean, all the things, we can just, ooh, in the moment, bam, we can have it. But then, what do we have to deal with? The payments, right? Driving that thing, still making a payment, and now it's breaking down. the fullness of the decision. So wisdom is being able to see the full extent of that and then make the choice off of that. Because you know what unwise choices don't do? Just affect you. Did you know that? Unwise choices don't just affect you. I can prove it to you in one section of the Bible. Go read Genesis chapter 1 through 3 and see if there's any unwise decisions that are made in the first three chapters of the Bible that have affected you. That have affected me. One, one unwise choice has affected humanity. And in fact, if you look at the first four sections of parents, they all make unwise choices with their kids. It's horrible. So the heart is the full, deepest exposure of your soul. It's who you are. And wisdom is seeing the full picture of a decision. Jesus was trying to play this out when he talked in Matthew chapter 15. It's one of my favorite sections of Scripture when he, Jesus gets to interact with these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, and he likes to teach them things about like the things they're supposed to have memorized and teach them things that they've gone to school for for all their life and that they think they're wise in. That's one of the favorite things that Jesus loves to do is to flip the coin, talk about what really is going on. So he's in this argument, and he's basically being challenged that his disciples are not following a man-made custom to pre-wash their hands before they eat meals. And this discussion is basically based on a decree that these Pharisees, these Sadducees have made, that that is the proper way to make sure that you are consecrating yourself before you eat. But that was not in the law. It was something read afterwards. So then Jesus comes in, and he starts asking 
questions, and he basically lays out his point. And when he lays it out, he does it in a really cool way. You can look it up if you want, but the disciples don't get it and because they're, it's new. And so here's the explanation to the disciples after they basically come to Jesus and go, hey, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it. Could you, could you break it down a little simpler? Don't you see that whatever enters your mouth goes into the stomach and then comes out of the body? I got to remember this thing's over here. But then, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. These defile them. For out of the heart comes every thought of murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Do you see those two things that we just talked about in action right here? In your soul are the unwise decisions that you've made. In your very soul, in the deepest parts of you, are where these at. You can't blame them on someone else. You can't blame them on your circumstances. Yes, you can be set up for success. Yes, things can be a little easier, but the decisions are still yours. And no matter how clean you look on the outside, a wise decision is revealed in the fullness of it. And no matter how much you like to pretend your life is together, your heart is where the real decisions lie. That's where you're broken. That's where you're hurting. Now, let's remind ourselves who we're talking about today. I thought we were talking about teenagers. I didn't know we were talking about everybody. I thought we were talking about teenagers. Told you you find yourself in this. If I could give you one instruction, one thought process for what this looks like, it would be just this simple thought. And it's something that we've said a lot, but maybe not the specific way in our youth ministry. It's this. We are trying to teach tools, not projects. We are trying to teach tools, not projects. We are trying to teach kids how to operate in their own individual faith and life. We are not trying to give them things to keep them busy. We are not trying to see if they perform well in the opportunities. We're not trying to see if they can do the thing. We're seeing how they make their choices. We're looking deeper and providing tools for them to make choices. Because here's the truth, you guys. All these weeks build on themselves. You feel this? If you don't have the tools to make wise choices, you cannot impress them onto your kids. You can impress them to look like the robot that you are. You can impress the fake heart that you have. You can impress all the things that make you look good, but you cannot impress what you do not have. A heart for God. And wise choices. And so if they're watching you for this 12 years, and you're not making wise choices, and if you're not guarding your heart and watching what comes out of your life, guess what happens when you get to teenage years? They start pointing out. They see it. 
the fruit is on the floor. It's right in front of them. They just got old enough to see it. So what the conversation has to turn to is talking about their heart and their choices and not using you as an excuse. <laughs> you get it? Because what a teenager will do is say this, well, you didn't do that. And you'll have to look back at them and you'll have to swallow your pride. And you'll have to look at them and you say, you're right. But that was not a wise choice. You make your own decisions. Your heart is your own. You can't use me as your excuse. And then when you see them make decisions that reveal their heart, and when you may see them make decisions that have short-sighted fullness in the wisdom that they think they're making their decision on, your job is to come in and to coach, to teach them the tools. Not to get them to just complete and get through. Because remember, we're not trying to raise healthy teenagers. We're trying to raise healthy adults. That's what we're trying to do. thought process here is two things. Here's your tools. Watch and guard your heart and get wisdom. Adults, if, you, if we could teach our teenagers these two things, your heart is your own. It is your own thing to guard and watch. That is the deepest part of you, and you watch what comes out of you because that's where your heart's at, and get wisdom, whether it's meeting with people out with people, whether it's asking the difficult questions or whether it's sifting through with them their poor choices to get the wisdom. Get it. Learn from it. Grow. Because experience is a part of wisdom, and they don't have that yet. But others around them are experienced. They can get it. They can grow. If you teach your kids these tools and don't treat their schooling as a project but as an opportunity to watch their heart and to see if they get wise, not just knowledge but actually discernment and judgment. And if you see this as an opportunity in the tools at home that they don't just obey you but they actually hear you, that they listen, that they make wise choices not so they don't get in trouble but so that they can understand the consequences of poor choices. These are tools they're not always going to be with you. They're not. They're going to leave. And all you did was project manage them. If all you did is you stood next to them while they did stuff and you just tried to make them get it right and you didn't ask these questions and you didn't look and help them see this, they're going to get out and they're not going to have the same project manager and their heart's going to drift. And they're going to see other people who are a little older look like make wise decisions and make poor ones. And they're going to impress that on them and then they're going to choose that wisdom. You can hear it in chapter 4 of Proverbs. He says it three times. Listen, listen, pay attention, listen, pay attention, listen, pay attention, listen, pay attention. Guard your heart. Listen, pay attention, though it may cost you everything. Get wisdom. 
could get wisdom. Watch out for the short-sighted and watch what's coming out of you. Learn these tools. What's so fun is at the end of this, what Jesus is offering is a new heart to each of us and what Jesus is offering is full life that is wisdom because it's full life. A fullness to it. So when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full, he's saying this, I know there's a brokenness in you that you can't quite get right. There's something fractured in you that you feel it every single time it comes out of you that you're broken. No matter how many good things you do, there's always something else broken inside of you. And you wonder if God can handle it. And you wonder if Jesus is enough. And I'm telling you, that's exactly why Jesus came. Because he didn't get on the cross knowing some of us would make it. He, gave, he got on the cross knowing none of us would make it without him. And then he doesn't just leave us in that woeful place until he comes back. But he says, there's one who can teach you to find full life now. Now, when this is going on, I know for a lot of us, you're like the passion of that and the, just, yeah, we're going to take on the world. And some of us are new in the faith and that's just like, oh yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to transform hearts. We're going to do Ezekiel 36. God's going to take that heart of stone and he's going to put in a heart of flesh and he's going to teach us to obey all that he's commanded. He's, we're going to do Deuteronomy 6. We're going to watch Proverbs 4 happen. But I'm telling you, there's something that can happen so easily in this is that we can grow timid. And we can be worried that we're not, we're not on the right path. We're not sure if we're right. And I feel like I need to read you just one small verse that Paul is telling to Timothy in his letter to him. For those that are doing something difficult and challenging, and maybe if you're a teenager in here and you've sat still this whole time, and I'm so proud of you. You haven't yelled anything that I've said wrong yet. I'm proud. Thank you. Or maybe if you're an adult in here who's coming into a kid with a teenager. Or maybe if you've got an adult kid in your house that's acting like a teenager. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, in love, and in faith, and in purity. Your heart is your own no matter how old you are. You can make wise decisions right now. And what teenagers are longing to hear from us as a church, what they're longing to hear from their parents, what they're longing to hear from the world, the Christian world specifically, but more than just the world in general, is they want to be empowered to believe that. They want to be empowered. And what that looks like, I want to give you a visual image of this because this may not make sense at first. Look at this poor little thing that I killed last week, guys. I'm so sorry. Every single one of these teenagers started out a seed. They started out so innocent, young, something that I said that we could leave in the middle of the street and it'd be dead in about 30 minutes, right? They started out just like this, and, and then they grow a little bit, and though it's a little withered, you just stick with me. 
they get to this age. Now, hopefully they look better than that. And lo and behold, we keep them alive, and then they become a teenager. And uh, I went to fake because uh, I couldn't handle killing something else. And they get to like this, right? But you notice something? They don't fit in the pot no more. It needs deeper roots. It needs to be given a place to grow. It needs to have an opportunity to have its boundaries, its purpose. And as a parent, you need to recognize you need to change that pot out. Holy smokes, that thing's heavy. We can do this. You need to change that pot out. You hear me? You need to get get your kids, get your students, your teenagers to a place where they feel the weight of their own heart, where they feel the weight of their own decisions, and they recognize it's an opportunity to grow because we are not raising seeds. We're raising trees. Every plant, every person needs to be empowered in a place where they feel the weight of their own decisions. They feel the opportunity that they have. I I know it's scary. I know it's scary when you have a teenager and they're making poor choices. I'm not telling you not to have boundaries. I'm just telling you, it's better they make poor choices under your roof than outside of it. It's better that they learn that what's not wise under your roof than outside of it. It's, It's better that you see and teach them the inside of their heart inside your roof before they get out of it. It's better that you walk through that fire, you do what's hard to help them grow, and you provide the environment where it can happen. Because lo and behold, they're going to be a tree someday. And they need those tools. and need the opportunity. For all of us, we're once lost. But now we've been found. For all of us were in darkness, but have found wisdom and light. Listen to me, my son. Listen to me. Guard your heart above all else. Seek wisdom, though it may cost everything. Find it. when you do, you will impress on the world the Christ-like heart that you've found and the wisdom that leads to full life.